Welcome back to the Magic of the Spheres podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. Welcome if you're new here. What you're about to listen to is an audio version of a video forecast that I shared to my YouTube channel, Sabrina Monarch, so you can also find me there. This podcast is a place where I share interview conversations with magical and inspiring people. I share solo episodes, creative writing, and I also share these weekly forecasts that I write. So I invite you to tune in and enjoy this transmission about the astrology of the week ahead. Hey, this is Sabrina Monarch of monarchastrology.com, bringing you a thematic overview of the Mars retrograde in Gemini of 2022. It will retrograde in late October, October 30th. We have the ingress of Mars in Gemini coming up, and we'll have a total of seven months of Mars in this sign. And so even though we're a little bit um, in advance here, I wanted to give you an overview of this transit so that you can maybe, you know, lean in in certain ways to really enhance your experience of this transit. So first I'll say I've been gone for a while. I was traveling. I was abroad. I brought a new mic, um, which, you know, I didn't really think about. (laughs) And I had some trouble with it, some technical difficulties that allowed me to record audio, but not as easily to record video. And I just kind of slipped further and further away from technology. You know, my the internet wasn't always super reliable where I was, um, the mic issue. And I just kind of tumbled and tumbled and tumbled into this magical, life-changing summer. I feel reborn. I feel like I'm in love with life. Um, and yeah, it's creating a lot of changes um, in my life and inevitably also in how I'm approaching sharing astrology with you. And so I'm kind of in that um, transformative period right now. And because of that, I'm not going to be offering weekly forecasts like I did for seven whole years. Um, I'm transitioning into um, sharing irregularly and finding a new rhythm. So bear with me. Um, I would love to have you along for the ride of whatever is coming out. I do intend to keep sharing about astrology, um, just figuring out what it's going to look like. But one of the first things I'm offering you um, in this new liminal space is a preview of some of the thematic content of Mars Retrograde. So let's get into that. And before I forget, please subscribe to this channel and like this video. Um, Leave a comment at some point just to say hello, just to say um, anything. It's really good for the algorithm and having new people find this channel. And I really appreciate that. And I love hearing from you. Okay. So Mars is going to station retrograde in Gemini, October 30th, 2022. We're going to have Mars in Gemini for seven whole months, um, August 20th to March 25th. 
2023. So the major themes I'm encouraging you to consider for this retrograde, and we'll unpack where I'm getting this from in a moment, is one, accessing more vitalizing perspective, right? So not just mindset, but like an inspired mindset. Two, striking dream imagery. So are your dreams getting more vivid? Are you relating to your dreams? Are you working with your dreams, dream work? And three, having motivation, morale, um, willingness to pray and have a relationship with the universe, right? So I find, you know, just to, just to reveal it now, you know, Mars is going to be aspecting Neptune at certain key points throughout this retrograde cycle. And when I see Mars and Neptune together, it has so much to do with vivid dreams and um, really like an activated sense of faith or a willingness to pray, right? Um, A willingness to be in conversation with the universe, right? A willingness to pierce the fog of disenchantment and to be in relationship with the, you know, invisible and even the invisible to really pierce through the fog of visibility and become something that, you know, we have a real experience of spirit. We have these real kind of like life-affirming moments of faith. And Mars-Neptune can go overboard in terms of zealotry or fanaticism. So, you know, take it easy. So... A few significant dates. This article is also in written version on monarchastrology.com. I'll leave the link in the notes. We have Mars ingress into Gemini August 20th. I will, you know, spare us. I I wrote down like six or seven dates here. So I'll just point out that um, Mars stations retrograde on October 30th. And then we'll have the heart of the retrograde, Sun opposite Mars, and on a full moon with the Sun-Mars opposition on the um, full moon axis on December 7th. And then January 12th, 2023 into next year, Mars will station direct. And then by March 25th, 2023, Mars will finally leave Gemini and enter Cancer. So first, understanding Mars in Gemini. This is going to be a basic look for now. Um, Consider your own associations that you form um, from hearing this, as well as your own knowledge of these archetypes. So we're going to break it down and then expand a little bit. So some Mars associations and keywords. We have action. We have our will, you know, our, our personal willpower, our sense of energy and vitality, self-assertion, self-advocating, standing up for ourselves, perhaps also defending and protecting others, Um, masculinity and the masculine principle, speed, instinct and impulse, the desire for freedom and unhindered movement and action, right? Like I can do what I want when I want or the desire to be in that state, Um, anger, rage, and life force. And then with Gemini, some associations and keywords, we have logic, mental agility, the capacity and act of making connections between data points, right? Like being able to synthesize, collecting information, research, 
endless perspective, infinite numbers of ways or angles to approach a situation. I have to say, I was watching everything, everywhere, all at once on one of the plane rides, and I thought, this must be like a Gemini moon experience. Um, I felt like there was a, a big kind of Gemini energy in terms of all these alternate universes and endless possibilities. Gemini relates to novelty, cleverness, right? There's a delightful cleverness um, language and communication and mapping, right? One of the Gemini shadows that you've uh, probably heard, especially, um, you know, I don't like the any of the sun sign kind of prejudice or hate, but one of the things that people will really point out about Gemini is its relationship with deceit and lying. And there's a capacity with Gemini to really kind of tilt the information or give an angle, right? Like, and a certain quickness of mind to be able to do that. Um, you know, understanding how to like portray information in a certain way to, you know, so there can be that kind of edge to Gemini makes me think too of like a reporter, you know, or anytime we're telling a story, we have a angle that we're coming at it with, especially, you know, I want you to consider this for your own life, right? Like the events in your life or the, the current season and moment of your life, what is your narrative spin on it, right? And there's a way that the mind is very powerful and we tend to believe our stories and there's a certain neutrality uh, really, when we think about Gemini, where you can look at a situation in your life and see it as a great opportunity for growth, you can see it as a reflection of your inner material and an opportunity for personal development, you can see it as, you know, you're a total victim in life, you can see it as, you know, everything just sucks and fuck this, you know, like there's so many different ways to perceive um, a situation and Gemini can relate to that capacity to endlessly generate perspective um, without any which one necessarily being true. And then because there's infinite perspectives and none of them are necessarily true, there's a little bit of chaos there, as you might imagine. And then Mars and Gemini, when we put these bodies together, or these archetypes together, we should say, um, we have things like vitalizing conversation, lively conversation or debate, forming connections that feel life-affirming, being activated um, or enlivened by information, speaking excitedly, defensiveness or aggression through words and argument, active or hyperactive mind, a kind of hummingbird or butterfly energy of rapidly speeding from one thing to the next, you know, pollination in some sense. Um, and that really, you know, one thing I love about Gemini and how I relate to it is that I have a lot of conversations in my life. Like it's what I do for work. It's what I'm doing here on YouTube. It's what I do with friends. And I find that on a day-to-day -day basis, one conversation I have influences how I perceive, you know, a situation a few hours later. And I might bring it up of like, oh, a friend said something, you know, and it inspired me and I kind of bring it in. And so there's a pollination or a weaving, a connecting between things that can happen. And then with Mars and Gemini, there's a will or an urge to communicate or convey, right? Or people that are very animated 
and gesture a lot with their hands is not just a Gemini thing, but I think about Mars and Gemini and Mars is going to really amplify the Gemini. So this is, you know, basic Mars and Gemini, seven whole months. We'll have more time to think about it and perhaps discuss it here. But I want to open, you know, Mars retrogrades in general. When Mars um, stations and appears to be moving backwards from Earth's perspective, what is, you know, what's going on during a Mars retrograde? So Mars is an archetype that relates to movement, action, and the impulse to be free. Um, it's instinct and how we respond and react to life in a moment-to-moment way. Mars slowing down and then stationing retrograde, um, in my experience, uh, Mars retrograde is a transit that I like to delineate in detail because I have struggled deeply with this transit in the past um, because in my personal life during Mars retrogrades, I felt like, you know, the inner flame coming to a standstill and kind of being in these positions of like um, impasse about how I'm going to respond to life, how I'm going to make a choice. Um, Mars is also like not a really comfortable planet, right? It's not like Venus where we can think about like luxuriating and eating grapes and everything's beautiful and there's like harp music or, you know, whatever playing. Mars is... um, the ego or the will sharpening into a point to react or respond to life, you know, the sense of being able to defend ourselves in danger or um, being able to have a relationship with our vital life force and to be, um, you know, aware of the situations in life that feel like they tax us at a deep level where it's like, this isn't right for me, or I'm putting myself at a really bad position here. I don't feel good about this and the quality of gathering the life force to be able to um, make an exit or to have a confrontation, right? Or sometimes people are very extra already. They're running a lot of Martian energy and uh, aggression or um, combative energy is kind of spilling out into inappropriate places. And there may be some lesson around, um, not spilling out all that life force in places where it doesn't really belong, right? So if we think about that archetype coming to a standstill, um, it's it's an inner confrontation to face this energy. Mars and Aries included, um, we could say Scorpio too, as it's also ruled by Mars. There's something about um, coming into relationship with our courage and bravery And if you think about what's going to trigger courage, it's having fear, right? It's facing resistance. It's having moments where, you know, what I love about Mars is ultimately um, it's not just how we relate to the external world and external stimuli. It's how we face ourselves and our own demons and the parts of ourselves that we're afraid to be in relationship with or we're afraid to look at. So when Mars stations retrograde, you have this archetype that really likes to be external, really wants to move forward, really wants to act freely, having to pause and then go backwards, which can relate to reassessing 
you know, our vital life force energy and having some situations come up in our lives which encourage this reflection. So I wanted to share too, I had a personal trainer who changed my life, who is a Mars retrograde native, Mars and Gemini actually. We worked together over Zoom during the pandemic and the way she described each exercise to me um, was impeccable. Her capacity to translate the movements with her words and demonstrations and guide me into them was refined beyond anything I'd ever experienced in the fitness field. She showed me diagrams of muscles and taught me how to isolate certain ones and how to stop putting stress unnecessarily on other muscles. So it wasn't lost on me that she was a Mars retrograde athlete. You know, sometimes um, trainers or teachers will be kind of like, you know, here's the thing, just do it, figure it out. You know, she was so like refined and it felt like she had this Mars that had literally gone back and forth over the mark multiple times. So not being able to move forward normally, a potential Mars retrograde experience is potentially frustrating, right? And it's a reversal. So if you've been stuck already, it might create movement. Um, But if we can have the perspective that we're recalibrating, the game changes entirely. It's possible for the Martian principle to be refined during Mars retrogrades. So Mars retrograde could relate to the inner work that we do to become less reactive, slowing down in a moment of activation, noticing the somatic signals of our heart pounding or our ears getting hot, and learning how to just be with those sensations in a different way than just lashing out in a way we'll regret, right? And it's not just the extreme of rage. There's many uncomfortable sensations and a way that trying to like escape or pop out of that sensation, there's a way of just kind of like rejecting that life force, you know, or spilling it out or maybe lashing out in a certain way versus what is it like to sit in the fire um, and expand into the discomfort. Mars retrograde could relate, you know, and that's not the only way to relate to it. It's like it may be also refining how we act, right? Like in a situation where anger is triggered, it may be making a life-respecting decision um, from that place of realizing that something is off. So Mars retrograde could relate to the inner work we do to make different choices instead of acting unconsciously from our patterns Finding a moment of lucidity when we're doing it again, you know, this thing, here I am doing it again, this is my pattern, it's happening, you know, like, and creating a new pathway in that moment of activation, you know, or just being in the discomfort of witnessing ourselves doing the thing again, which is different than ignoring it or splitting off from it. See where you have the spaciousness to allow for these recalibrations in your life. With Mercury retrograde, we can talk about, you know, making sure that you like get your oil changed when the oil lights on or, you know, making leeway, like extra time for leeway for technical errors. Or if you take a wrong turn and you're late to your appointment, you know, leave a little bit early, right? These are Mercury retrograde things in addition to maybe more um, psychological reroutings. 
Um, but with Mars retrograde, we're talking about forming shifts in our gameplay in life. Um, and there can be a way that that feels like a little bit more um, intense than just leaving early for an appointment or something. It's like seeing the kind of um, action plans in our life and like where they need shift. The way we train for Mars is having a good relationship with our impulses and instincts so that in a moment of emergency or immediacy, we can take clear action and then settle back to a regulated state afterward, as opposed to not having access to our instinct, like it's buried, you know, or being in a hypervigilant, hyper-irritated state a lot of the time. During a Mars retrograde, it helps to become more discerning about what activations or situations require immediate response and where pause and reflection and recuperation before action is okay or also called for. So now that we just talked about um, Mars retrograde in general and what Mars in Gemini is like, um, I'll go through a few themes of this retrograde cycle in particular. So what I was feeling was this kind of like up in the air feeling and the need, you know, while things feel up in the air to find more vitalizing perspective. Mars will be stationing retrograde in a square aspect to Neptune and Pisces. And at the heart of the retrograde, the Sun-Mars opposition on December 7th, the Sun and Mars will square Neptune and Pisces. So we have this, um, you know, significant points of the retrograde cycle that are conversing with Neptune, which in my experience working with, you know, longer term transits, these um, seed moments or these pivotal moments affect the whole cycle, not just the, um, you know, the station or the heart of the retrograde. It's like telling us a story about the themes of the whole retrograde. So with this Mars-Neptune conversation, it could relate to a dynamic in our lives where our grasp on what is happening, you know, in a literal or maybe more existential sense is more diffuse and chaotic than normal um, up in the air feeling for a few reasons. One is that mutable energy. So the mutable signs are Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, and Pisces. Mutable energy is highlighted. Um, mutable signs relate to the shift between seasons. So we have the fullness of summer turning into autumn, the depth of winter making way for spring, etc. Mutable energy works to unsettle the compact, fixed content and create movement and change, right? So if you think about like really compact, fixed, kind of dense soil where it's hard for things to grow maybe or only the same things have been growing and to kind of like really turn and loosen up the soil is what the mutable signs are doing. Um, this is helpful when it comes to aspect accessing new perspective, taking a different path than normal, traveling, movement, studying, learning. It can feel unmooring when it comes to trying to achieve stability, which is going to be more of the fixed forte. Um, Mars and Gemini can have an agenda around the pursuit of logical understanding, wanting to either promote or assert a particular viewpoint, champion it, um, or more combatively to challenge and unthrone a viewpoint. 
the mind is activated toward perspective in a general sense. But the square to Neptune adds diffusion. There may be data points we don't even know how to connect or organize yet, or feel beyond our register, or information that feels disillusioning, right? Like, it kind of makes me think of the energy of, like, having, like, debates with random people on the internet where it's like some people do get like their bodies are like in alarm fight response and they're doing that um but that's vital life force energy going into having random arguments on the internet not necessarily you know changing hearts and minds or really influencing things in a deep way and so where is it in our life that we have um diffused life force, right? Like we're fighting a battle that's not life-affirming or life-respecting. We're distracted with a kind of activation or a systemic issue in our lives, and that energy is siphoning away the energy that we could be giving to our dharma or, you know, something that feels more important to us. Those are things to think about. Um, And then on the other hand, in a less even like problematic way, a sense that, you know, where am I putting my energy? Like there's all these possibilities or there's this change happening. Like what now? And things feeling up in the air. So in this liminal space of not being able to grasp stably at a perspective on our situation or situations, literal space is made for new perspective and even new adventures. So as a personal example, Um, finding a place to physically root as home has been something that I've struggled with in the last um, couple of years, especially, you know, I was in grad school in the Bay Area, the California Institute of Integral Studies, and that was a really solid reason to live in a place. And then when I graduated, my work's remote, and I was like, I could go anywhere, but, you know, I don't want to be moving around boxes and I can't fully be nomadic because I have a cat. And so I was like trying to find the perfect place to live and I didn't know where I wanted to be. Um, But then this summer, traveled, had a cat sitter taking care of my kitty. And there were so many times like while I was away that I had all of these exciting visions about what I wanted to do next with my life. And when I thought about like my life plan or like what I'm doing, normally I have a kind of sense of the thing, right, that I'm doing, but I could just kind of laugh and be like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life right now. And to actually feel um, some excitement and playfulness in that, as opposed to feeling um, particularly unmoored by that. Albeit, I don't feel like totally ungrounded in my life as a whole, but there's a lot of opening and kind of like up in the air energy, hence why I'm not doing the weekly forecast and I'm kind of reconfiguring. Um, So what creates the momentum for you where instability or not knowing or a dash of chaos is less disempowering and upsetting and more of a doorway for new and surprising adventures? You know, I think about this too for... um, breakups, like when we're in a relationship that we're particularly attached to or have formed really deep bonds, we form all of these stories and plans about the life we're going to build together. And, you know, we have this special universe with this one particular person. And when that shatters, 
Um, one of the most painful experiences I've known, honestly, <laughs> like I'm smiling right now because I'm so happy in my life, but, you know, hell realm kind of state for me. And I found that in those um, times, what would actually really help was movement um, and having new experiences and new adventures. Um, while it was hard for me to actually lean into doing that, um, because having new experiences, it would kind of chip away at the attachment to the life plan that I had built, where it's like, yeah, you can go out and meet new people, or you can travel, or you can um, just start to create some change so that you're having new ways of meeting yourself um, in that space. So in terms of, you know, this creating momentum to have new perspective, a few ideas, um, it could be saying yes to an opportunity, right? Like there's, we have tons of opportunities and sometimes we're just in a little bit of tunnel vision, but when we open our aperture and we're like, oh, I, I could go down that path, like why not? Um, placing ourselves in a new and less familiar environment, following our excitement. Um, you know, if you've learned anything from meme culture, we know that Gemini is terrified of boredom and this sign can animate our pursuit of finding things to be excited about or a way of approaching life as it already is just from a more exciting perspective. So shifts in mindset aren't just floaty, airy, ephemeral. Well, I don't know if ephemeral is the word I want to use. They're not floaty and airy, okay? Like they are air elements, but they have impact. Uh, mindset shifts how we relate to life and the course of action that we set in motion. So what I'm trying to say is like, it's not just an isolated incident in the brain or in our heads when we change our minds about something. It's going to set in motion a different way of acting, which is going to bring in that kind of Mars and Gemini principle. Um, if instability is really an issue for you, like you're feeling kind of ungrounded and being off with the wind and random novel adventures is not your idea of fun or wellness at the moment. Consider these ways that mutable signs can support stability. When we organize around a particular pursuit or goal, say generating happiness, um, <laughs> generating wealth, I mean, and cultivating happiness, um, as two examples, we engage the quality of vision, Sagittarius. Like this is the grand vision, the thematic overview that I have for my life. And we can begin from there to create critical adjust, adjustments in our lives to build new patterns and habits, which is more of the Virgo thing, related to these visions and goals. So I think of it as like, you know, when you're um, doing a, a really simple form of meditation where um, you're just focusing on your breath and the mind will stray and you bring your mind back to focus on your breath. And that's the practice. Um, that's meditating on breath, right? But you could also meditate on gratitude and begin to cultivate a lifestyle of gratitude and begin to um, orient, you know, as you stray away from gratitude, bring it back. Um, whatever the value is that you choose, right? And the capacity to organize around that. It's not to say that you can't have experiences that are off the map of, off the map of gratitude, like grief or whatever it is. But if you're 
building a new neural pathways and you're wanting to experience more gratitude, it's like getting into that habit of coming back to that center, right? So if you are wanting to um, build something or build a kind of gravitational field, working with the mutable energy to um, create those shifts that come back to the fields that you're creating. Our major core issues and challenges in life that keep being the thing that we wrestle and grapple with over and over again um, are quite embedded for us, right? Otherwise, they wouldn't stick around so enduringly. It is more fixed energy. Mutable signs help create change, sometimes an inspiring conversation, a good book, a magical day trip, um, or even longer forms of those things um, as, you know, a program of study, a longer form of travel, etc. These things can work to shake loose our attachment and rigidity to our most embedded storylines. It's good to have focus, but even focus can be tunnel vision. When we want to change our lives, sometimes we need a little bit of randomness to shake loose the gravity of the past and our most embedded ways of looking at reality. So considering the retrograde, we may be experiencing the impetus to go inward and create more stability in the places where we have lost energy from being too diffuse or unfocused. You know, Mars and Gemini is like, what do I want to focus on? And it might not be just one thing, right? Gemini isn't singular in focus, but the sense of, is this giving me life? Is this honoring my relationship with life to put my energy and my vital life force here or no? And that might be a place of calibration during this time. So back to vitalizing perspective, Mars-Neptune is energized by vision and inspiration. And sometimes our perspective on a situation at hand lacks vision that would inspire our morale, our gratitude, our motivation, et cetera. You know, like what's going to get you up out of bed in the morning? Um, what's going to get you excited about a project that you're working on? Right? And when we feel a leaden sense of dread or disenchantment, we may not be connected to higher vision or our vision about the situation is unnecessarily dull and is sucking the life out of us. Right? It's an interesting balance to kind of feel into. Sometimes we have a, um, a sense of dread about an aspect of our lives because it's just not appropriate for us. It's like that actually isn't a good fit or a good match. Um, other times, the thing, the situation, is not an issue in of itself. Um, it's the way that we're perceiving it. And one way, you know, that I think about this too is thinking about um, certain things that we can't change, certain issues maybe that are in our lives that we can't immediately fix and how we're going to relate to them in the meantime in a kind of transitional way um, so that as we're kind of in the trenches of the situation, we have morale to um, progress and move forward in a meaningful way. Um, and then alternately, where we actually have options, where we actually have freedom, being able to act on that and lean into the options and choices that we have. And so in terms of vitalizing perspective, the other side of the pendulum can be living in a fantasy that's working to promote our escapism or avoidance. 
and neither extreme of living in a dull, disenchanted world or living in a technicolor fantasy avoidant world. Um, neither extreme is ideal, but leaning into the edge of having an enchanted or more vitalizing perspective that helps us say yes to life over and over again is way more ideal, in my opinion at least. Um, so contacting vitalizing perspective means paying attention to sources of inspiration and cultivating those channels in our lives. And I'm sure this is going to be something that I speak to more. So do um, stick around to this channel, mailing list, etc. Forgot to talk about the mailing list, but that's linked in the notes and that's a great way to stay in touch. Okay, so another theme is striking dreams, right? Vivid dreams. Mars-Neptune contacts can relate to more vivid than normal dreams, striking dreams, right? Waking up from a stirring, impactful dream. The dream image hits, you know? Personally, I love when a dream image hits and is so potent that it pierces the fog of forgetfulness upon waking. Like, it feels kind of like a gift to me, like a prophecy, you know? I love it. Um even if it's disturbing, but, um, you know, it, it adds some drama and intrigue, <laughs> you know, to life. So I like it for that. Um, it would be valuable and meaningful to engage some kind of dream work this retrograde to have a process for reflecting on the dream images that land in our sleep. So there's many different ways that people approach dreams. And something that I'll just say here is that, um, there is a mindset around wanting to almost like commodify the dream, if that's the right languaging of, oh, this dream, you know, means this thing. Let me find the dream symbol and then I know what the dream meant. Or that kind of like agenda to figure out the meaning of the dream. Where what I see, um, you know, I learned this from at CIS studying James Hillman and this quality that Hillman speaks of the dream as though these dream images are actually, um, they exist beyond us. They don't, they weren't generated from our brains. Um, we receive them. They have their own independent life and identity and they pass through and they stir and enchant and disturb and move us. And to figure out, you know, it's not about, arriving at a like, I've tied a nice bow. I know exactly what this dream means. It's like this dream awakened this desire in me and this desire led me to lean into this other experience or this dream showed me this grief that I haven't fully processed yet and I went into a process about it or this dream, you know, like the way that it's going to move through us and move us and then create some kind of adventure that we couldn't have expected or anticipated. And that way we're like really relating to the kind of numinous, um, non-linear way that dreams can touch us. Um, sometimes dream images are disturbing or bring up challenging emotions. Um, if we lack the consciousness technology for facing this, it could just be a sour note to start the day. Like, why did I see that in my dream, you know? Um, not to say that it's not, you know, genuinely a struggle if you have these disturbing dreams or have them over and over again. There may be a need there for some support or some, 
you know, integration process. But from a more reflective standpoint or having tools, some awareness of how to work with dreams and challenging dreams, um, or even just having an insightful mentor or friend or community to process a dream with, we might uncover something life-affirming or vitalizing. So um, pretty open-ended suggestion here for you in terms of dreams might be more vivid with Mars-Neptune contacts. I've tracked this over the years, but what are you going to do about it? Or like, how is it going to inspire these recalibrations that are happening? And then last theme I wanted to point out as part of our overview of this transit is having the motivation to pray, Mars-Neptune, again. So Mars-Neptune can relate to the morale that we have or don't have around our spiritual pursuits, such as the pursuit of having a conversation with life, God, spirit, etc. Right. So when I talk about prayer, I really just mean having a conversation with life, with spirit, and, you know, the semantics or the particular naming might be impactful and might matter. We're talking about Mars and Gemini. So um, playing with language and playing with how we even perceive these forces or these beings or these, um, yeah, we'll say beings, forces, um, could be meaningful. And then Mars and Gemini definitely animates conversation and Neptune is spirit. So an animated conversation with spirit, with God. So whether we have hangups or preconceived ideas about prayer, right, like negative or um, traumatic religious conditioning, um, ways that we've been taught about God that didn't resonate with us, etc. Um, if we have these kind of hangups or preconceptions that block us from investing energy in this type of conversation with life, um, or we simply have checked out from an existing spiritual practice, this retrograde could be an amazing time to reconnect or reinvest in connecting with having a conversation with God, with spirit, right? The word God doesn't bother me. I know it does bother some people, but even looking into that of like, why is the word God um, bothersome, right? Like, Maybe the way that some people talk about God or some institutions talk about God doesn't resonate, but what of just source? What of just the primordial void from which all was created or, you know, however you want to look at it. I've always loved learning about how people who have a connection to God that I admire, like someone who's just so tuned in and tapped in and they're just kind of glowing with that spirit, um, I love learning how they pray. I love hearing the specific prayers they speak, um, witnessing the energy that they bring to their prayer life or the relatedness that they have with spirit. I also love seeing how my theurgical friends, so Hawk, um, Hawk Astrology, Zach Powell came to mind when I was thinking about theurgical friends especially, um, how my theurgical friends approach particular deities, right? Like Apollo or Bacchus or Venus or Aphrodite. Um, this has been a huge part of my um, current expansion with astrology right now is working with minor asteroids and Ariadne and Dionysus and um, all of these different Greek myths and feeling these um, deities as, you know, actual forces in the cosmos and that, 
show up in my life in really magical ways. And they show up even more the more I'm tuning into them or researching them or having a conversation with them. Um, People do this with plants too, when you connect with a plant spirit, right? This way of having a conversation that's way more um, boundary-defying than our normal conventional modes of um, linear cause and effect logic, et cetera, like a so much vaster way of like what plants you can be in relationship with, the planets that you can be in relationship with, the deities, with God, you know, however um, this conversation is opening up. So if you are in need of inspiration, pay attention, you know, or be open to those people in your life that have that connection to the universe. And this is just how I've done it too. Um, And be inspired by them, right? And you can also be playful in your own way of contacting the universe, right? Like, Um, when I first started to have like a daily conversation with God, it was at times so formal and so serious, right? And like I had this journal that um, I treated with like deep respect. I am a very messy handwriter because I write too fast and I would actually slow down and write super deliberately. Um, And I spoke with reverence to this journal. Like it was um, not a place, you know, I may have processed things in there, but it wasn't just a venting or a dumping. I was like, I'm coming to God with this like deep respect and reverence. And then in another season of life, God was like this lover, right? Or another season, it's law of attraction and you create your own reality. And I'm also God, you know, and relating in those different ways. It's like, those were all different ways of relating to God. Um, And a different experience emerged from each one. And I find that um, every season of my life, every moment that I'm in, I can recalibrate or readjust how I'm praying, how I'm relating, and what I'm praying for, right? Maybe seasons in my life where I was praying a lot for myself, for the things that I needed, for what I needed to feel aligned, you know, and then being in seasons where I actually feel very full and content and resourced and I'm praying um, for the collective or for other people, right? So just thinking about like we have options, Mars and Gemini, about how we're going to relate to spirit. And sometimes the way that we relate to spirit doesn't feel life-giving. It doesn't feel life-respecting. And so to find that recalibration where we can have open arms and an open heart to life, um, would be a really magical thing to come of this Mars retrograde. So thank you for tuning in with me. This is what I have for you. Um, I suppose I'll share a few other announcements. One is that I am currently writing a novel, Hungry Ghosts of Paradise, that I've been sharing as an audio novella to Magic of the Spheres podcast. Chapters 1 through 18 are out, and I am working on part 2 currently. Um, You can sign up for my mailing list. I've been announcing um, bookings when they are available, and um, I'm not really announcing them anywhere else right now, just the mailing list. And, oh, yes, so Sabrina Monarch is my Instagram. And just be mindful, there's a lot of Instagram scams out there, not just of me, but other um, astrologers where 
these accounts um, impersonate us, take our photos, repost them, and then DM you trying to sell you a reading, right? A lot of you can tell it's not me. Sometimes some of you have spoken to the impersonator version of me for like a couple beats of dialogue until you realize it's not me. Um, It sucks, you know? (laughs) So just don't engage the scammers. You can tell um, because at Sabrina Monarch, just that is my Instagram. If there's a missing letter or extra letters or extra punctuation or numbers or whatever, it's not me. It's a scam. Please don't engage. Um, Anything else? I do teach evolutionary astrology intensives. Um, I teach advanced alumni programs. These are all currently in session, but I will be rolling out more events and more courses. So my mailing list is the best place to be in touch about that. If you haven't already left a comment or said hello, please do that. Like this video and I'll see you again soon. Thank you for listening. If you've been enjoying this podcast and you have something to say about it, I would love to read your review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. If you take a screenshot of your review before you click submit and email it to me at sabrina at monarchastrology.com, I'll send you a resource library about creating and elevating your reality. This library contains several hours of content about the intersection between kind of create your reality teachings and astrology. And it includes one of my favorite talks I've ever given called Leo and the Evolution of Alternate Realities. Thank you so much for listening. Your reviews really support the growth of this podcast, as well as your word of mouth when you share this podcast with friends or post it to your stories on Instagram and tag me at Sabrina Monarch. Thank you so much. Thank you.